Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. I love the straightforwardness and the simplicity that, that he uses to teach. His teachings are very simple for everybody to understand. If it hadn't been for this ministry, I don't know where I would be. And now, here's Andrew. Welcome to our Monday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today, I'm beginning a brand new series teaching on more grace, more favor. I've got a brand new book out on this, the first time that we've ever advertised this. And of course, we have CDs and DVDs that have been taken from our television program. And uh, I tell you, this is going to be a blessing to you. You know, I've got some teaching out on humility, which is really what this teaching is all about. But our publisher, uh, you know, basically said that humility is not something that people like a teaching on. And so they entitled it More Grace, More Favor, which is still very appropriate. They thought that it would attract more people. But uh, this is basically a teaching about being meek and humble in the sight of God. And I know that that is a turnoff to a lot of people. A lot of people think it's only other people that need to be humble, that they're just fine. Or in our society today, humility is something that's looked at as weakness. This will cover the things that I've taught in previous teachings, but it just, it's more uh, detailed. It's more encompassing. It goes into a lot of things. And I believe it is going to be a tremendous help uh, to have you walk with the Lord. I'm going to use a number of scriptures that talk about how that God uh, relates to people who humble themselves, but he resists the proud. As a matter of fact, let me just read some of these verses. I'll be coming back to this. This is a verse that we'll be using throughout this entire series. But in 1 Peter chapter 5 and in verse uh, 5, it says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. You know, there are there is so much in this. And again, I'll, I'll be dealing with this in more detail as we go through this entire series. But you know, when you're clothed with something, like I'm clothed with this shirt and stuff, and you see this shirt, it's the first thing that you see. Now, it's not me but it's the first thing that you see. And this is saying to be clothed with humility. In other words, this ought to be one of the distinguishing characteristics of a believer is humility. And yet I can guarantee you that is far, far, far from the average Christian. Humility is not something that's embraced and promoted in the body of Christ. But this says that you are supposed to be clothed with humility for God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. I'm going to be coming back to this and saying many things from here, but let me just point this out, that it says God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, the grace of God has already appeared and come to all of us. It's by the grace of God that we are saved through faith. And so grace is extended towards everyone. But this is saying that you can get more grace. If you can have more grace, you can have less grace. And grace isn't dependent, isn't dependent 
upon your performance. If it was, well, then it wouldn't truly be grace. I mean, grace, uh, by the definition, the most commonly accepted definition is that grace is the unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor of God. Now, that's true, but I think it's much more than that. Grace is everything that God is, everything that He has, all of His goodness, His ability, everything available to us on an unearned, undeserved basis. And of course, you could even go further than that and define grace uh, in more detail. But as a rule, grace is talking about that it's not tied to your performance. So grace isn't based on your holiness, your goodness, but you do get more grace when you humble yourself. He gives more grace is what the Scripture says. And so if you can have more grace, you can have less grace. This says that God resists the proud. And I'm going to, again, go into more detail as we go through this series. I'm just giving you an introduction. But when it says that He resists, this isn't that God is against you. It's just that God is a humble God. God established humility. Uh, humility is like, you know, the uh, electricity is conducted through copper and it flows better through copper than it flows through wood. Wood is an insulator to electricity. It's the laws. It's nature. It's the way God made things. So you could say that Wood resists electricity, whereas copper conducts electricity and it flows better. You get more electricity when you go through copper than you do through wood. And that's not that God hates wood. It's just the laws that He made. Well, God doesn't hate us. He loves us in spite of our performance. But when you are operating in pride, God's grace doesn't flow through pride. You know, if you go to Matthew chapter 11, and again, this is introduction. I'll be dealing with all these things in more detail. But in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. This is Jesus, God Almighty in the flesh, speaking. And the Scripture says that He is the manifest token of God. I mean, He is a deliberate, exact copy. Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, the ex express image of God is the King James terminology. If you've seen Jesus, you have seen God. And that's what Jesus said about Himself in John chapter 14. And so when Jesus revealed that I am meek and lowly in heart, that's the way that God is. God is a humble God. That's something that doesn't even seem to go in the same sentence together. Most people would think that God is almighty and, and everybody bows the knee to Him. Well, it's true, and that is he, he is almighty, and compared to God, none of us have any worth or value. All of us have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But God in His nature is not a show-off. Now, He has given us plenty of evidence. Creation just declares the glory of God. He told us for our own good that we should worship Him only because all of the other things that are worshipped and gods that are worshipped are destructive and they come to steal, kill, and destroy. He came to give us life and to give it to us more abundantly. So He constantly directs us towards Him and in that sense promotes Himself, but only because it's for our good. Jesus said, I am meek and lowly of heart. Jesus did not 
promote himself. He constantly was promoting his father. He said that if I am glorifying myself, then I am not truly of God. He says, I didn't come to glorify myself. I came to bring all glory to God. I'll be going into more detail in this, but I'll show you how that Jesus obeyed his father when he, when multitudes, thousands of people took offense at what he said and walked away. And instead of sucking his thumb or asking somebody about, please give me a hug because I feel rejected. He only cared about pleasing his father. He was not promoting himself and he turned right around to his 12 disciples and he says, will you leave also? He gave them, you know, there's the door. If you want to leave, you can leave. But this is who I am. And I am not going to sit here and promote myself and worry about what people think about me. He says, the only person I'm out to please is God the Father. So Jesus is the greatest example and representation of God that the earth has ever seen. And he says, I am meek and lowly in heart. If you want to be like Jesus, if you want to be godly, then you need to be meek and lowly of heart. In the Old Testament, in Numbers chapter 12, Moses, it says in, I believe, verse 3, that he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. So Moses, he wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. He wrote Psalms chapter 90. He is the foundation of all of the Old Covenant, uh, you know, uh, relationship that God had with man. So probably one of the greatest characters in the Old Testament is Moses. He was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Undoubtedly the greatest character in the New Testament, actually in the entire history of the world, is Jesus. And he says, I am meek and lowly of heart. You put that together with 1 Peter chapter 5, James chapter 4, which says the same thing. And it says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble and then humble yourselves. Therefore, you put all of these things together. And I'm telling you that humility is the path to seeing the greater grace of God manifest in your life. If you are operating in pride, and pride, it, it's going to have to be defined. I'm not going to have time to do all of this today, but as we go through this series, I think that you'll see that humility is not weakness. Man, Jesus wasn't weak. Moses wasn't weak, and yet he was the meekest man on the face of the earth. Uh, humility is not weakness. It is not having low self-esteem. It is not beating yourself up. It's not going around with uh, this timid attitude, this re false religion uh, form of pride uh, or humility. It's not any of those things. We're going to have to redefine it, and I'll be using some of these characters in the Bible to show you people who are very meek and submitted to God and yet bold and authoritative at the same time. So humility is, needs to be redefined, but as this book says, it's the path to more grace. More grace produces more favor in your life, and I tell you, we need more grace. The manifold grace of God. The word manifold means many faceted. There is more to grace than just receiving salvation. Now you have to have grace in order to be saved. Nobody can be saved by their own goodness. None of us deserve salvation. We've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 says that the wages of sin is death. And so every one of us deserves to die, not only physically, but eternally 
separated from God. That's what we deserve. And if anybody disagrees with what I'm saying and think, well, I'm not as bad as these others. I don't need as much grace. I doubt seriously if you are born again. There isn't a hell number two or a hell number three. If you miss heaven by an inch, you miss it by a mile. If Unless you are perfect, unless you have never sinned, which the scripture says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Unless you are perfect, you need grace to be saved, not justice. You know, one of my favorite stories is when I lived in uh, Childress, Texas, I had a job where I developed pictures for a living. And, and, you know, we would have people come in and they'd take a setting and we'd take their pictures and then we would develop these pictures. Then they'd come in and look at it. We'd spread down, we'd spread out all of the different poses and everything. And it seemed like it was always women that would do this, but they would look at these pictures and they'd say, oh, this picture doesn't do me justice. And they were really nice looking pictures. What they were doing was just, you know, uh, they were a little embarrassed. They didn't want to say something. They were kind of fishing for a compliment. They would kind of criticize the picture, hoping that you would come back and say, oh, this looks really good. And I never had the nerve to do this. But in, you know, when they weren't around among ourselves, we would talk and we'd say what, what we need to say is, lady, you don't need justice. You need mercy. Amen. I wished I'd have had enough nerve to be able to say that. But anyway, it's the same thing when it comes to God. People say this just isn't fair. It isn't fair the way things are working out. You don't need justice. You don't need what's fair. You need mercy. None of us deserve the goodness of God. And unless you humble yourself and admit that and quit promoting your own goodness... And unless you come to a place that, God, it doesn't matter if I'm better than somebody else over here. Who wants to be the best sinner that ever went to hell? Not me. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. God, I need mercy. Unless you humble yourself and quit promoting your own goodness and come to God saying, God, not based on any goodness of my own. It's not what I do, but it's what Jesus did for me and you humble yourself and receive salvation as a gift, not as a payment, but as a gift. Unless you do that, you can't be saved. And there may be people watching this program that this is revelation to you because you were thinking, now, wait a minute. I thought I was saved if my good outweighs my bad. You know, it's kind of like one of these scales and all of us have messed up. But if I'm more good than I am bad, well, then certainly God is going to accept me based on the fact that I'm mostly good. I'm basically good. No, that's not how it is. You have to come to the end of yourself. You have to come to a place to where, God, I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve anything. My only claim to having right standing with you is the fact that I have put faith in what Jesus did for me. I have received salvation as a gift. Again, that verse I've quoted a number of times already. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. It's not a payment. It's a gift. You have to be 100% dependent upon God. You know, just imagine this. Imagine that, you know, we were standing in heaven before God and we're having to give an account of what we've done. And so if the Lord was to say, what makes you worthy to enter into heaven? If you would sit there and start saying, well, I went to church 
and I was basically a good person and I helped people and I gave to the church. Here's my giving receipts. Here's what I've done. And if you started pointing to good things that you have done to gain you entrance into heaven, did you know that that is a direct ticket to hell? Because even though you might be better than I am, again, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Every one of us. You know, it's you, you can't just be closer than I am. You either have to earn salvation on your own, which no person has ever done that, or you have to humble yourself and receive it as a total gift. And did you know, really, there is no difference. It, we live in... Um, uh, basically a Christian culture. It's becoming less and less Christian all of the time. But yet there are vast numbers of people in the Western world who consider themselves a Christian because they believe in God the Father. They believe in Jesus. They believe in the golden rule. They believe in basically living a, a good life. And they think that that makes them a Christian. But what makes you a Christian is whether or not your faith is solely in Jesus' sacrifice for your sins. It is not based in any goodness on your own. And a, Christ, a person who claims to be a Christian and yet is promoting their own goodness as the reason that, God, you need to accept me, is not a true Christian. That's a startling statement to a lot of people, but it's absolutely true. Again, go back and imagine that you were standing before God in heaven and He says, what makes you worthy? And you start naming off your good things. Really, that's no different than the Muslim who starts saying, well, I did jihad and I prayed five times a day towards Mecca. Or I, and they start naming things that they have done. Did you know what? That's unacceptable to God. Or you could go to the Buddhist that says, I shaved my hand and I put on a saffron robe and I did, I begged and I took an oath of poverty and this makes me accepted. That's, that's not good enough. You cannot atone for your own sins. You have to humble yourself. You have to put your faith 100% in Jesus. The thing that makes Christianity different from every other religion on the face of the planet is that we are the only religion that has a Savior. Every other religion, you have to save yourself by your good works. You have to go out and do jihad. You have to pray so many times a day. You have to go through all these religious calisthenics. You have to do all of these things. Sad to say, there's a lot of people that call themselves Christians that have the exact same mindset. They just do Christian things instead of the Muhammad things or the Buddhist things or the Hare Krishna and Hare Lam things. It's just a different set of rules and regulations, but there's a lot of people that consider themselves to be Christians, but if they stood before God, they wouldn't point to Jesus. They would immediately say, but I was a good person and I did this. Did you know good people don't go to heaven and bad people don't go to hell? And there's a lot of people watching this that are offended by that, saying that's not true. It is true. The only people that go to heaven are forgiven people who have accepted salvation as a gift from God through what Jesus did for us. And they have humbled themselves and put their faith in Jesus. It's only forgiven people that go to heaven and it's only unforgiven people that go to hell. People who didn't humble themselves and receive salvation as a gift, but instead they were trusting in their own goodness 
and their own righteousness. Those are the people that go to hell. It's not good versus bad. It's forgiven versus unforgiven. And it all comes down to, have you humbled yourself? Are you still promoting your goodness? Are you standing on your own righteousness? Or have you humbled yourself? And like the Pharisee and the publican that were praying, the publican just smote his breast. He didn't even feel worthy to look up to heaven. And he says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Pharisee began to proclaim, God, I fast twice every week. I pay tithes of mint and anise and cumin. I do all of these great things. I thank you that I'm not like this publican over here. And yet Jesus said that the publican that asked for forgiveness based on mercy and grace, he's the one that was accepted by God. The one who promoted himself was rejected. Which are you? Are you the Pharisee or are you the publican? Are you the one that promotes yourself and stands on your own goodness? Or are you the one who humbles yourself and says, God, I don't have any right to receive anything from you. I receive it as a gift. Now see, that's humility. That is humbling yourself. That is not promoting yourself. That is not standing on your own self-righteousness. Isaiah chapter 64, I believe it's verse 6, says all of your righteousness is like filthy rags. If you look that word up in the Hebrew, it's literally talking about your self-righteousness is like a minstrel cloth, something to be discarded and walked away, not framed and put on a, uh, you know, in a frame and put on a wall and bragged about. And this is what people are doing. They're talking about all of their great accomplishments. Relative to other people, you may look good, but all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, what God intended you to be. And you cannot receive a relationship with God based on your own goodness. You have to humble yourself. That's not only true of being born again, the initial born again experience, but it's true of everything else. It says in Colossians chapter 2, verse 6, As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him. That means if you started salvation by not proclaiming your own goodness, but saying, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, O Lamb of God, I come. If that's the way you start your salvation, that's the same way you receive healing, deliverance, joy, peace, the moment you start proclaiming yourself and saying, God, I've fasted, I've prayed, I'm doing this, now will you heal me? You aren't going to receive healing like that. God resists the proud. God resists you promoting yourself. God resists when you sit there and stand on your own goodness and think that somehow or another it's unfair. Unless you do this, you would be unfair. You don't get anything from God based on what you deserve. You have to humble yourself. And when you do that, you get more grace based on the verse that I started with. More grace, and that produces more favor, more manifest power of God in your life. Every one of us need that. And I'm telling you, the key that unlocks that door and releases more grace in your life is humility. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. That's what we're talking about. So listen to our announcer. This is a brand new teaching out, brand new book, More Grace, More Favor. You can get it in book form, CD, and DVD. Our announcer will give you all the information, and please call or write today to receive this material and join me as I continue to teach through this new series on our Gospel Truth broadcast. 
Andrew's teaching, More Grace, More Favor, is available as a brand new book or as a CD or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources are available for a gift of any amount when you contact us. This entire series is also available for audio download absolutely free from our website. Or you can get the More Grace, More Favor package, which includes the book and your choice of either the CD or DVD album. This package has a catalog value of $50, but you can receive all of these valuable resources today for just $35. Also today, Andrew has a bonus offer. You can request the Self-Centeredness, the Source of All Grief booklet for free when you order either the book, CD, or DVD album from Andrew's new teaching, More Grace, More Favor. The free booklet is limited to one free per household and is only available in the US, UK, Canada, and Australia. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these teachings. Or you can call our helpline 24 hours a day, five days a week, Monday through Friday at 719-635-1111. To write us, use the address on your screen. We appreciate your generosity and hope to hear from you today. We'd like to point out Andrew's upcoming speaking schedule. Mark your calendars to come meet Andrew at one of these events and let the Word of God transform your life. In the month of September, join Andrew in Toronto, Canada as he hosts a Gospel Truth Seminar. Next, Andrew will be speaking in Granville, Michigan. Then he'll be in Woodland Park for the Identity in Christ Conference with guest speaker, Pastor Dwayne Sheriff. Lastly, in September, Andrew will be speaking in Woodbridge, Virginia at the Voice of the Apostles event. In October, Andrew will be speaking in Colorado Springs. Next, come join Andrew in Woodland Park for our annual Ministers Conference. Then he'll be speaking in Budapest, Hungary for a Grace and Faith Conference. Also in October, Andrew will be hosting the Andrew Womack Ministries European Ministers Conference in Walsall, England. Guest speakers at this event are Paul Milligan, Billy Epperhart, and Bob Yandian. Lastly, in October, Andrew will be hosting a Grace and Faith Conference in Wienendam, Netherlands. For more details on Andrew's next meeting in your area, visit our website at awmi.net. I want to let you know that our phone center has expanded our hours to where it's 24 hours a day, Monday through Friday. And we receive about 40,000 calls a month. The majority of those are prayer calls. We are seeing awesome things happen. We've seen uh, people raised from the dead by relatives that called in and asked us to pray with them. We've seen miracles of healing. We are seeing God touch people's hearts, change people's hearts. And uh, you know, the devil doesn't just fight you during the work hours. It's 24 hours a day. So we're open 24 hours a day, five days a week, 719-635-1111. The information will be on your screen, but I encourage you to call and take advantage of not only the products that we're offering, but we have some of the best prayer ministers on the planet. And now it's 24 hours a day, five days a week. If you'd like to receive prayer, Andrew Womack Ministries is here for you. Call our helpline at 719-635-1111, 24 
24 hours a day, five days a week. Prayer ministers are standing by. Many of you know that we have built a 1,022 space parking garage to accommodate all of our people that come to our facilities in Woodland Park. And it was at a $23 million cost and we are trying to get that paid off as quickly as we can. Well, I felt like the Lord spoke to me about encouraging 23,000 people to give a $1,000 offering, either a one-time gift or pledged out over a period of 10 months, $100 per month. If you would like to be a part of that, I encourage you to call or write, go to our website and join our 1K Club. 